0: Hi, my name is Andrew Chamberlain, and I'm a writer and creative writing tutor, and you are listening to episode four of the Creative Writer's Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. In the first episode, I introduced the concept of showing, not telling, and I said there were five techniques you could use to really enhance your work in this area. And those five were, one, sprinkle your work with dialogue, two, use the senses, so that's what your characters are seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting and touching, three, imply, hint and suggest things, four, use detail and be sparse and specific in that, and five, include some humour, So in this episode, I want to explore one of those areas, and that's how you can use sensory language to liven up your writing and show the reader your story rather than just tell it to them. Hence my title for this podcast, The Zest of the Orange, the Icy Tingle of the Stream in Winter. But first, a couple of quick comments on the last episode for those of you who listened to it. The sound quality wasn't the best. I'm working on that to make it better and to make the quality of sound on these podcasts as good as it can be, so please bear with me. Second thing, I mentioned a couple of literary terms in the last episode and I didn't give any explanation as to what they mean, so I want to put that right now. The first was foreshadowing. Now this is a subject which warrants its own podcast, but for now I just want to give you a simple definition and of course an example. Foreshadowing is a technique used by writers to hint at future plot developments. It's designed to whet the reader's appetite and engage them in the story by making them think about what the foreshadowing might be pointing to. One quick example is from Harper Lee's novel To Kill a Mockingbird. One of the characters, Scout Finch, hints at the trouble that is coming as she describes the weather while she's walking home with her brother. She says this. The night was still. I could hear his breath coming easily beside me. Occasionally there was a sudden breeze that hit my bare legs, but it was all that remained of the promised windy night. This was the stillness before a thunderstorm. So the author is telling us that trouble is coming. We don't know how, but as readers our interest is piqued. In this sense, foreshadowing is a type of one of the five techniques I've mentioned for showing not telling, and that is implying or hinting or suggesting something that could come, and in that way capturing the reader's interest and i will cover foreshadowing in more detail in a future episode the second thing i mentioned in a previous episode was metaphor so what is metaphor well it is a literary device used to compare two very different things which in the context of the metaphor share at least one similar characteristic Let me give you an example to show you what I mean. In his play As You Like It, William Shakespeare compares the phases of people's lives with actors coming on and off the stage in a play. In Act 2, Scene 7, the character Jacques begins his speech by saying these words, All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. The artist Pablo Picasso said this, Art washes away from the soul the dust of everyday life. Now we know that the world is not literally a stage just as we know that art does not literally wash the dust from us but we can see what the writer or speaker is trying to suggest. So we'll look at these kinds of literary devices again in more detail in a future episode. And I want to come back now to the main theme for today. I want to look at the power of sensory language By sensory language I mean language relating to that which we directly receive through our senses. The reason this type of descriptive language is so useful is that it helps to immerse the reader into your story. The scenes and characters can come alive to the reader as they experience them and empathise with your characters through their senses. Let me give you some examples. Suppose my character is having breakfast. I could simply say John had his usual breakfast of fruit, syrup and waffles. Or I could say The aroma of golden brown waffles filled the air as the plump sweet blueberries joined them on the plate. John cut the red ripe strawberries into quarters and scattered them on top of the waffles and then he poured the light sticky maple syrup over the fruit, catching some of it on his finger as he closed the cap of the bottle. He licked his lips as he put his finger to his mouth. I'll give you another example. I could say, She is eating an orange. Or I could say, As she put the first segments to her mouth, the air fills with a tangy zest. She licks her lips to catch all of the juice. Here's another example. I could say, Smoke filled the air over the field. Or I could say, The wood smoke hung in the air, warm and rich, curling and unfolding over the polka dot colours of the wild flowers. Now I've probably taken these examples to a bit of an extreme just to make the point, but I hope you can see that by using language which appeals to the senses, which talks about colors and aromas and tastes and the sense of touch, then what I'm able to do is to place you as the listener into that scene. So let's have an example from literature. In her book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, Maya Angelou uses both the senses of sight and taste as well as touch in this phrase. Mrs Flowers' skin was a rich black that would have peeled like a plum if snagged, but then no one would have thought of getting close enough to Mrs Flowers to ruffle her dress, let alone snag her skin. So in that sentence, the author has evoked sight and touch and taste. But arguably the most powerful sense, if you can evoke it effectively with your reader, is the sense of smell. This is because so many people... Connect a scent or smell or aroma with a strong memory, maybe of a person or perhaps a time of year. So for example, Christmas is a season that can have strong associations with different scents and smells, candles scented or unscented, the aroma of Christmas dinner cooking, perhaps the scent of a cigar, the scent of unusual food and drinks. And appealing to the senses is a good way to bring your reader into the story. But we need to be careful. The senses you evoke need to be for experiences that the reader can identify with. You might be acutely aware of the smell of caviar, and that smell might mean an awful lot to you, but if your readers don't know what caviar is, and have never smelt it, then you won't be able to connect with them by evoking that smell because they don't know what it is. So stick to sensory examples that your readers, or at least the vast majority of them will know. I hope these examples I've helped you to see how evoking the senses and using sensory language is a really powerful technique in helping you to show your story to readers rather than just tell it. And today, I've referred to a number of books and plays, and these are the novel To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, published by Arrow, the play As You Like It by William Shakespeare, which is in the public domain, and the novel I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou, published by Virago. If you're enjoying the Creative Writer's Tool Belt, please do join our group on Goodreads. That's www.goodreads.com. Look up the Creative Writer's Toolbelt group and please join up. Leave any comments or suggestions. I'd really like to hear from you. You can reach me via my website, which is andrewjchamberlain.com. My thanks to the guys at podcastthemes.com for providing the theme music. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.